0: Liquid Picnic Productions presents An Ideal Husband by Oscar Wilde. Directed by John McQueen and Harris Williamson. Act 4. The Morning Room at Robert Chiltern's House. It is a great nuisance... I can't find anyone in this house to talk to, and I am full of interesting information. I feel like the latest edition of something or other. Sir Robert is still at the Foreign Office, my lord. Lady Chiltern not down yet? Her ladyship has not yet left her room. Miss Chiltern has just come in from writing. Ah, that is something. Lord Cavelsham has been waiting some time in the library for Sir Robert. I told him your lordship was here. Thank you. Would you kindly tell him i have gone? I shall do so, my lord. Really, I don't want to make my father three days running. It's a great deal too much excitement for any son. I hope to goodness he won't come up. Fathers should be neither seen nor heard. That is the only proper basis for family life. Mothers are different. Mothers are darlings.
1: Well, sir, what are you doing here? Wasting your time as usual, I suppose?
0: My dear father, when one pays a visit, it is for the purpose of wasting other people's time, not one's own. Have you been thinking over what I spoke to you about last night? I have been thinking about nothing else. Uh, Engaged to be married yet? Not yet, but I hope to be before lunchtime.
1: You can have till dinner-time, if it would be of any convenience to you.
0: Thanks awfully, but I think
1: I'd sooner be engaged before lunch. (laughs) Never know when you are serious or not.
0: Neither do I, Father.
1: I suppose you have read the Times this morning.
0: The Times? (laughs) Certainly not. I only read the morning post. All that one should know about modern life is where the duchesses are. Anything else is quite demoralising. Do you mean to say you have not read the
1: Times' leading article on Robert Chiltern's career? Good heavens! No. What does it say? What should it say, sir? Everything complimentary, of course. Chiltern's speech last night on his Argentine Canal scheme was one of the finest pieces of oratory
0: ever delivered in the house since canning ah never heard of canning never wanted to and did did Chilton uphold the scheme? uphold it sir
1: <laughs> how little you know of him why he denounced it roundly the whole system of modern political finance this speech is the turning point of his career as the times points out y- you should read this article sir Sir Robert Chiltern, most rising of our young statesmen, brilliant orator, unblemished career, well-known integrity of character, represents what is best in the English life, noble contrast to the lax morality so common among foreign politicians. they will never say that of you, sir.
0: I certainly hope not, Father. However, I am delighted at what you tell me about, Robert. Thoroughly delighted. It shows he has got pluck. He has got more than pluck, sir. He has got genius. Ah. I prefer pluck. It is not so common nowadays as genius is. I wish you would go into Parliament. My dear father, only people who look dull ever get into the House of Commons. And only people who are dull ever succeed there. Why don't you try to do something useful in life? I am far too young.
1: I hate this affectation of youth, sir. It is a great deal too prevalent nowadays. Youth isn't an affectation.
0: Youth is an art. Why don't you propose to that pretty Miss Chilton? I'm of a very nervous disposition, especially in the
1: morning. I don't suppose there is the smallest chance of her accepting you. I don't
0: know how the betting stands today. If she did accept you, she would be the prettiest fool in England. That is just what I should like to marry. A thoroughly sensible wife would reduce me to a condition of absolute idiocy in less than six months. You don't deserve her, sir. My dear father, if we men married the woman we deserved, we should have a very bad time of it.
2: Do Lord Cavisham. I hope Lady Cavisham is quite well.
1: Lady Cavisham is as usual, as usual. Good morning, Miss Mabel.
2: And Lady Cavisham's bonnets, are they at all better?
1: They've had a serious relapse, I'm sorry to say. Good morning, Miss Mabel.
2: I hope an operation will not be necessary.
1: If it is, we shall have to give Lady Cavisham a narcotic. Otherwise, she would never consent to have a feather touched.
0: Good morning, Miss Mabel.
2: Oh, are you here? Of course you understand that after you're breaking your appointment, I am never going to speak to you again. Oh,
0: please don't say such a thing. You're the only person in London i really like to have listen to me.
2: Lord Goring, I never believe a single word that either you or I say to each other.
1: You are quite right, my dear. Quite right. As far as he is concerned, I mean.
2: Do you think you could possibly make your son behave a little better occasionally, just as a change?
1: I regret to say, Miss Chiltern, that I have no influence at all over my son. I wish I had... If I had, i know what I would make him do.
2: I am afraid that he has one of those terribly weak natures that are not susceptible to influence.
1: He is very heartless. Very heartless.
0: It seems to me that I am a little in the way here.
2: It is very good for you to be in the way and to know what people say of you behind your back.
0: I don't at all like knowing what people say behind my back. It makes me far too conceited.
1: After that, my dear, I really must bid you good morning.
2: Oh, I hope you're not going to leave me all alone with Lord Goring. Especially at such an early hour in the day.
1: I am afraid I can't take him with me to Downing Street. It is not the Prime Minister's day for seeing the unemployed.
2: People who don't keep their appointments in the park are horrid.
0: Detestable
2: I am glad you admit it, but I wish you wouldn't look so pleased about it.
0: I can't help it. I always look pleased when I am with you.
2: Then I suppose it is my duty to remain with you.
0: Of course it is.
2: Well, my duty is a thing I never do on principle. It always depresses me, so I am afraid I must leave you.
0: Please don't, Miss Mabel. I have something very particular to say to you.
2: Oh, is it a proposal?
0: Well, yes, it is. I am bound to say it is.
2: I am so glad that makes the second today.
0: The second today. What conceited ass has been impertinent enough to dare to propose to you before I proposed to you?
2: Tommy Trafford, of course. It is one of Tommy's days for proposing. He always proposes on Tuesdays and Thursdays during the season.
0: You didn't accept him, I hope.
2: I make it a rule never to accept Tommy. That is why he goes on proposing. Of course, as you didn't turn up this morning, I very nearly said yes. It would have been an excellent lesson both for him and for you if I had. It would have taught you both better manners.
0: Oh, bother Tommy Trafford. Tommy is a silly little... Ass, I love you.
2: I know. And I think you might have mentioned it before. I am sure I have given you heaps of opportunities.
0: Mabel, do be serious. Please be serious.
2: Ah, That is the sort of thing a man always says to a girl before he has been married to her. He never says it afterwards.
0: Mabel, I have told you that I love you. Can't you love me... A little in return.
2: You silly Arthur. If you knew anything about anything which you don't, you would know that I adore you. Everyone in London knows it, except you. It is a public scandal the way I adore you. I have been going about for the last six months telling the whole of society that I adore you. I wonder you consent to have anything to say to me. I have no character left at all. At least, I feel so happy that I am quite sure I have no character left at all.
0: Dear, do you know I was awfully afraid of being refused?
2: But you never have been refused yet by anybody, have you, Arthur? I can't imagine anyone refusing you.
0: Of course, I'm not nearly good enough for you, Mabel.
2: I am so glad, darling. I was afraid you were.
0: And I'm... I'm a little over thirty.
2: Dear, you look weeks younger than that.
0: How sweet of you to say so! And it is only fair to tell you that, frankly, I am fearfully extravagant.
2: But so am I, Arthur, so we're sure to agree. And now I must go and see Gertrude. Must you really? Yes.
0: Then do tell her I want to talk to her particularly. I have been waiting here all morning to see either her or Robert.
2: Do you mean to say you didn't come here expressly to propose to me?
0: No, that was a flash of genius.
2: Your first?
0: My last.
2: I am delighted to hear it. Now don't stir. I'll be back in five minutes. And don't fall into any temptations while I am away.
0: Dear Mabel, while you are away, There are none. It makes me horribly dependent.
2: Good morning, dear. How pretty you are looking. How pale you are looking, Gertrude. It is most becoming. Good morning, Lord Goring.
0: Good morning, Lady Chiltern.
2: I shall be in the conservatory under the second palm tree on the left.
0: Second on the left?
2: Yes, the usual palm tree.
0: Lady Chilton, I have a certain amount of very good news to tell you. Mrs Cheekley gave me up Robert's letter last night, and I burned it. Robert is safe.
3: Safe? Oh, I am so glad of that. What a good friend you are to him. To us.
0: There is only one person now that could be said to be in any danger. Who is that? Yourself.
3: I? In danger? What do you mean?
0: Danger is too great a word. It is a word I should not have used, but I admit I have something to tell you that may distress you, that terribly distresses me. Yesterday evening you wrote me a very beautiful womanly letter, asking me for my help. You wrote to me as one of your oldest friends, one of your husband's oldest friends. Mrs. Cheebly stole that letter from one of my rooms.
3: Well, what use is it to her? Why should she not have it?
0: Lady Chilton, I will be quite frank with you. Mrs. Cheveley puts a certain construction on that letter and proposes to send it to your husband.
3: But what construction could she put on it? Oh, Oh, not that, not that. If I, in, in trouble and wanting your help, trusting you, propose to come to you, that you may advise me, assist me, oh... Are there women woman as so horrible as that? And she proposes to send it to my husband. <laughs> Tell me what happened. Tell me all that happened.
0: Mrs. Cheebly was concealed in a room adjoining my library, without my knowledge. I thought that the person who was waiting in that room to see me was yourself. Robert came in unexpectedly. A chair or something fell in that room. He forced his way in and he discovered her. We had a terrible scene. I still thought it was you. He left me in anger. At the end of everything, Mrs. Chevely got possession of your letter. She stole it. When or how, I don't know.
3: At what hour did this happen?
0: At half past ten. And now I propose that we tell Robert the whole thing at once.
3: You want me to tell Robert that the woman you expected was not Mrs. Cheveley, but myself? That it was I whom you thought was concealed in a room in your house at half past ten o'clock at night? You want me to tell him that?
0: I think it is better that he should know the exact
3: truth. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. May I do it? No. You are
0: wrong, Lady Chiltern.
3: No. The letter must be intercepted. That is all. But how can I do it? Letters arrive for him every moment of the day. His secretaries open them and hand them to him. I dare not ask the servants to bring me his letters. It would be impossible. Oh, why don't you tell me what to do?
0: Pray be calm, Lady Chiltern, And answer the questions I am going to put to you. You said his secretaries open his letters. Yes. Who is with him today? Mr Trafford, isn't it?
3: No, Mr Montford, I think.
0: You can trust him?
3: Oh, how do I know?
0: He would do what you asked of him, wouldn't he? I think so. Your letter was on pink paper. He could recognise it without reading it, couldn't he? By the colour.
3: I suppose so.
0: Is he in the house now? Yes. Then I will go and see him myself and tell him that a certain letter written on pink paper is to be forwarded to Robert today and that at all costs it must not reach him. is coming up the stairs with the letter in his hand. It has reached him already.
3: Oh, you have saved his life. What have you done with mine?
4: You want me, Gertrude? Yes. You trust me, Gertrude?
3: Yes. Uh,
4: Why did you not add you loved me?
3: Because I loved you.
4: Gertrude, you don't know what I feel. When Monfred passed me your letter across the table... He'd opened it by mistake, I suppose, without looking at the handwriting on the envelope. And I read it. Oh, I did not care what disgrace or punishment was in store for me. I only thought you loved me still.
3: There is no disgrace in store for you, nor any public shame. Mrs. Cheveley has handed over to Lord Goring the document that was in her possession, and he has destroyed it.
4: Are you sure of this, Gertrude?
3: Yes. Lord Goring has just told me. Then I
4: am safe. Oh, what a wonderful thing to be safe. For two days I have been in terror. I am safe now. How did Arthur destroy my letter? Tell me. He burned it. I wish I had seen that one sin of my youth burning to ashes. How many men there are in modern life who would like to see their past burning to white ashes before them? Is Arthur still here?
3: Yes, he is in the conservatory.
4: I am so glad now I made that speech last night in the house. So glad. I made it thinking that public disgrace might be the result. But it has not been so.
3: Public honour has been the result.
4: I think so. I fear so, almost. For although I am safe from detection, although every proof against me is destroyed, I suppose, Gertrude, I suppose I should retire from public life.
3: Oh, yes, Robert. You should do that. It is your duty to do that.
4: It is much to surrender.
3: No, it will be much to gain.
4: And you would be happy living somewhere alone with me? Abroad, perhaps? Or in the country, away from London, away from public life? You would have no regrets?
3: Oh, none, Robert.
4: And your ambition for me? You used to be ambitious for me.
3: Oh, my ambition? I have none now, but that we two may love each other. It was your ambition that led you astray. Let us not talk about ambition.
4: Arthur, I have to thank you for what you have done for me.
0: I don't know how I can repay you. My dear fellow, I'll tell you at once. At the present moment, under the usual palm tree, I mean in the conservatory. Lord Cavisham. That admirable father of mine really makes a habit of turning up at the wrong moment. It is very heartless of him, very
1: heartless indeed.
0: Good morning, Lady Chiltern.
1: The warmest congratulations to you, Chilton, on your brilliant speech last night. I have just left the Prime Minister, and you are to have the vacant seat in the Cabinet.
4: A seat in the Cabinet? Yes. Here is the Prime Minister's letter.
1: A seat in the Cabinet? Certainly. And you well deserve it too. You have got what we want in political life nowadays. High character, high moral tone. High principles. Everything that you have not got, sir, and will never have.
0: I don't like principles, father. I prefer prejudices.
4: I cannot accept this offer, Lord Caversham. I've made up my mind to decline it. Decline it, sir? My intention is to retire at once from public life. Decline a seat in the cabinet and retire
1: from public life? Never heard such damned nonsense in the whole course of my existence. I beg your pardon, Lady Chiltern. Chiltern, I beg your pardon. Do not grin like that, sir. No, father. Lady Chiltern, you are a sensible woman. The most sensible woman in London. The most sensible woman I know. Will you kindly prevent your husband from making such a... From taking such... Will you kindly do that, Lady Chiltern?
3: I think my husband is right in his determination, Lord Caversham. I approve of it.
1: You approve of it?
3: Good heavens! I admire him for it. I admire him immensely for it. I have never admired him so much before. He is finer than even I thought him. You will go and write your letter to the Prime Minister now, won't you? Don't hesitate about it, Robert.
4: I suppose I had better write it at once. Such offers are not repeated. I will ask you to excuse me for a moment, Lord Cavisham.
3: I may come with you, Robert, may I not?
4: Yes, Gertrude.
1: What is the matter with this family? Something wrong here, eh? Idiocy. Hereditary, I suppose. Both of them, too, wife as well as husband. Very sad. Very sad indeed. And they're not an old family. Can't understand it. It is not
0: idiocy, Father, I assure you. What is it then, sir? Well, it is what is called nowadays a high moral tone, Father. That is all. Hate these new fangled names. Same thing we used
1: to call idiocy 50 years ago. Shan't stay in this house any longer.
0: Oh, just go in here for a moment, Father. Third palm tree to the left, the usual palm tree. What, sir? I beg your pardon, father. I forgot. The conservatory, father. The conservatory. There is someone there I want you to talk to. What about, sir? About me, father.
1: Not a subject on which much eloquence is possible?
0: No, father, but the lady is like me. She doesn't care much for eloquence in others. She thinks it a little loud. Lady Chirton, why are you playing Mrs. Cheveley's cards?
3: I don't understand you.
0: Mrs. Cheveley made an attempt to ruin your husband, either to drive him from public life or to make him adopt a dishonourable position. From the latter tragedy, you saved him. The former, you are now thrusting on him. Why should you do him the wrong Mrs. Cheveley tried to do and failed?
3: Lord Goring?
0: Lady Chirton, allow me. You wrote me a letter last night in which you said you trusted me and wanted my help. Now is the moment when you really want my help. Now is the time when you have got to trust me. To trust in my counsel and judgement. You love Robert. Do you want to kill his love for you? What sort of existence will he have if you rob him of the fruits of his ambition? If you take from him the splendour of a great political career? If you close the doors of public life against him, if you condemn him to sterile failure, he who was made for triumph and success? Women are not meant to judge us, but to forgive us when we need forgiveness. Pardon, not punishment, is their mission. Why should you scourge him with rods for a sin done in his youth, before he knew you, before he knew himself? A man's life in this society is of more value than a woman's. It has larger issues, wider scope and greater ambitions. A woman's life revolves in curves of emotions. It is upon lines of intellect that a man's life progresses. Don't make any terrible mistake, Lady Chiltern. A woman who can keep a man's love and love him in return has done all the world wants of women or should want of them.
3: But it is my husband himself who wishes to retire from public life He feels it is his duty. It was he who first said so.
0: Rather than lose your love, Robert would do anything, wreck his whole career, as he is on the brink of doing now. He is making for you a terrible sacrifice. Take my advice, Lady Chiltern, and do not accept a sacrifice so great. If you do, you will live to repent it bitterly. We men and women are not meant to accept such sacrifices from each other. We are not worthy of them. Besides, Robert has been punished enough.
3: We have both been punished. I set him up too high.
0: Do not for that reason set him down now too low. If he has fallen from his altar, do not thrust him into the mire. Failure to Robert would be the very mire of shame. Power is his passion. He would lose everything, even his power to love. Your husband's life at this moment is in your hands. Your husband's love is in your hands. Don't mar both for him.
4: Gertrude, here's the draft of my letter. Shall I read it to you?
3: Let me see it.
4: What are you doing?
3: In our society, a man's life is of more value than a woman's. It has larger issues... Wider scope, greater ambitions. Our lives revolve in curves of emotions. It is upon lines of intellect that a man's life progresses. I have just learnt this, and much else with it, from Lord Goring. And I will not spoil your life for you, nor see you spoil it as a sacrifice to me, a useless sacrifice.
4: Gertrude. Gertrude!
3: You can forget. Men easily forget. And I forgive. That is how women help the world. I see that now.
4: My wife. My wife! Arthur, it seems that I am always to be in your debt. Oh, dear no, Robert. Your debt is to Lady Chiltern, not to me. I owe you much. And now tell me, what were you going to ask me just now as Lord Caversham came in? Robert, you are your sister's guardian, and
0: I want your consent to my marriage with her. That is all.
3: Oh, I am so glad. I am so glad. Thank
4: you, Lady Chilton. My sister, to be your wife? Yes. Arthur, I am very sorry, but the thing is quite out of the question. I have to think of Mabel's future happiness, and I don't think her happiness would be safe in your hands. I cannot have her sacrificed. Sacrificed? Yes, utterly sacrificed. Loveless marriages are horrible. But there is one thing worse than an absolutely loveless marriage. A marriage in which there is love, but only on one side. A marriage in which there is love, but on one side only. Faith on one side only. Devotion, but on one side only. And in which of the two hearts one is sure to be broken. But I love Mabel. No other woman has any place in my life.
3: Robert, if they love each other... Why should they not be married?
4: Arthur cannot bring Mabel the love that she deserves. What reason have you for saying that? Do you really require me to tell you? Certainly I do. As you choose. When I called on you yesterday evening, I found Mrs. Cheveley concealed in your rooms. It was between ten and eleven o'clock at night. I do not wish to say anything more. Your relations with Mrs. Cheveley have As I said to you last night, nothing whatsoever to do with me. I know you were engaged to be married to her once. The fascination she exercised over you then seems to have returned. You spoke to me last night of her as of a woman pure and stainless. A woman whom you respected and honoured. That may be so, but I cannot give my sister's life into your hands. It would be wrong of me. It would be unjust, infamously unjust to her. I have... Nothing more to say.
3: Robert, it was not Mrs Cheveley whom Lord Goring expected last night.
4: Not Mrs Cheveley? Who was it then? Lady Chiltern?
3: It was your own wife. Robert, yesterday afternoon Lord Goring told me that if ever I was in trouble, I could come to him for help, as he was our oldest and best friend. Later on, after that terrible scene in this room, I wrote to him, telling him that I trusted him... "'that I had need of him, that I was coming to him for help and advice. "'Yes, that letter. "'I didn't go to Lord Goring's, after all. "'I felt that it is from ourselves alone that help can come. "'Pride made me think that. "'Mrs Cheveley went. "'She stole my letter and sent it anonymously to you this morning, "'that you should think... "'Oh, Robert, I cannot tell you what she wished you to think.'
4: What? Had I fallen so low in your eyes that you thought that even for a moment I could have doubted your goodness? Gertrude, Gertrude, you are to me the white image of all good things, and sin can never touch you. Arthur, you can go to Mabel, and you have my best wishes. Oh, stop a moment. There is no name at the beginning of this letter. The brilliant Mrs. Cheveley does not seem to have noticed that. There should be a name.
2: Let me write
3: yours. It is you I trust and need, you and none else.
0: Well, really, Lady Trimpton, I think I should have back my own letter.
3: No, you shall have Mabel.
0: Well, I hope she hasn't changed her mind. It's nearly 20 minutes since I saw her last.
2: Lord Goring. I think your father's conversation is much more improving than yours. I am only going to talk to Lord Caversham in the future, and always under the usual palm tree.
1: Darling. What does this mean, sir? You don't mean to say that this charming, clever young lady has been so foolish as
0: to accept you? Certainly, father. And Chiltern has been wise enough to accept the seat in the cabinet. I am very glad to hear that. Chiltern. Chilton? I congratulate
1: you, sir. If the country doesn't go to the dogs or the radicals, we shall have you as Prime Minister someday. Luncheon is on the table, my lady.
2: You'll stop to luncheon, Lord Caversham, won't you?
1: With pleasure. And I'll drive you down to Downing Street afterwards, Chiltern. You have a great future before you, a great future. Wish I could say the same for you, sir, but your career will have to be entirely domestic. And if you don't make this young lady an ideal husband, I'll cut you off with a shilling.
2: An ideal husband? Oh, I don't think I should like that. It sounds like something in the next world.
1: What do you want him to be, then, dear?
2: He can be what he chooses. All I want is to be... To be a real wife to him.
1: Upon my word, there is a good deal of common sense in that, Lady Chiltern.
3: <sighs> Aren't you coming in, Robert?
4: Gertrude, is it love you feel for me, or is it pity merely?
3: It is love, Robert. Love, and only love. For both of us, a new life is beginning.
0: This production of An Ideal Husband featured Andrew Hall as Sir Robert Chilton, Lucy Dehan as Lady Gertrude Chilton, Grant Ritchie as Lord Goring, Anya Mishkowska as Mabel Chilton and John McQueen as Lord Caversham. This act also featured Harris Williamson as Mason and Finlay Cassie as James. This has been an audio presentation of Oscar Wilde's play An Ideal Husband from Liquid Picnic Productions. Directed by John McQueen and Harris Williamson, produced by Finlay Cassie and edited by the Liquid Picnic team. The sound effects and music used was either specially recorded or in the public domain Full attributions and credits can be found at liquidpicnicproductions.com Our supervising producers on this project were John McQueen and Harris Williamson James Hay Polly Clark and Joe Simpson are executive producers for Liquid Picnic Productions The production team would like to thank Edinburgh Napier University The credits were read Make sure to subscribe to us and your podcast player of choice so you don't miss our next production. For more information about Liquid Picnic, visit our website and to keep up to date with us, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You have been listening to a Liquid Picnic production.